we have towards animals the more compassion we're going to have towards other people if you can value them all you, you really value yourself as well so even if you don't care about animals the the things we do that hurt animals end up hurting ourselves it's almost kind of a dominion type issue where we feel we need to control everything dominion means stewardship to take care of what would a cow think about satisfying our habit the challenge lies with looking at suffering from the perspective of the person or individual suffering Welcome to Voices for the Animals on 90.7 KBOO FM. I'm your host and producer for this month, Michelle Coppola, along with Noah Bristol. This show is proud to give a voice to the sentient beings with whom we share this planet. Well, let me say first, Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate this day, to those who observe Hanukkah. I hope yours was good and filled with light and a happy Kwanzaa tomorrow. You know, there's not a doubt that this has been a really difficult year for a lot of people. For that reason, and because this show is airing on Christmas Day, I decided that instead of shining a light on the exploitation and abuses faced by non-human animals, I would instead bring you some good news from the animal world. And there is some, uh, especially for those of us who make animal welfare a focus in our lives. It can really seem like things never get better. But there is some positive news to report from the last year, and this show is is going to tell you about some of that. We've got several stories to cover, so let's get to it. But first, a question for you. How does a person serenade an elephant? No matter how your heart is grieving, if you keep on believing, the dream that you wish will come true. 
That's how. If you didn't know, that is singer, actor, and all-around icon Cher serenading a pachyderm in Pakistan named Kavan. Last month, Cher joined forces with animal rights group Four Paws International to get Kavan, who was once known as the world's loneliest elephant, released from his small enclosure at the very dilapidated Islamabad Zoo to a sanctuary in Cambodia where he'll have 600 acres to roam on. Here to tell us about this amazing release is Hannah Baker. She is the head of communications with Four Paws International in London. Good morning, Hannah, and thanks so much for being here. So tell me, how did Four Paws first become aware of Kavan's situation and the conditions at the Islamabad Zoo in Pakistan? Uh, So we were first made aware of Kavan's story in 2015 uh, when Dr. Samar Khan um, alerted us to Kavan's suffering. Uh, And then earlier this year, we revisited Margazar Zoo um, because we had been asked to come in and conduct vet checks on all of the animals that were there. So that was Kavan the elephant, there's two Himalayan brown bears there, there were wolves, uh, monkeys, you know, we were asked to kind of come in and and, and undertake all of these vet checks on the animals. Uh, And that's unfortunately where we saw that the suffering that, that, you know, animals, particularly Kavan, had been suffering, they weren't getting any better. And, you know, the, the fact actually that we, you know, we needed to take, take a step and, and actually intervene to, to get, him, get him out of there. The conditions that the animals at the zoo are facing and that Kavan faced, is it a result of just lack of resources? Do they just not have the people to care for them? Is it because of the political situation or a combination of all of that? I'd say probably a, com- a combination of it. Um, I think there was definitely a lack of education to know about how to care for these animals. Uh, you know, I think people thought that they were doing the best thing by going, elephants like sugarcane, great, we'll just give him loads of sugarcane. Um, and it was actually a bit of a, um, and it was exasperated by the fact of when people were coming to visit the zoo, they then saw what they thought was Kavan dancing. And that became an attraction in itself. And, you know, it was actually, there wasn't anyone on site to be able to understand and read that this isn't dancing. This is actually signs of psychological distress right. uh, and I think you know that played into into this cycle of you know just poor keeping conditions and unfortunately we then went in to find an elephant who was obese but also malnourished right so which again points back to the not knowing how to care for for an, an animal be it an elephant or even you know a brown bear so how did Kavan come to be at the zoo? What is his living conditions? You've described them a little bit, but what have his living conditions been like for the last 30 years? So he was actually gifted um, to Pakistan as a present and as a gift from Sri Lanka when he was just one year old. Mm-hmm. So would have then been taken away from his mum again far too early. Um, you know, elephants don't normally part with their young at such a young age. Uh, and he was then moved to um, Margazar Zoo in Islamabad uh, when, like I say, when he was one. He then was in this enclosure, which is far too small for an animal of his right. of his size and stature, even at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very barren. Uh, there is a small water um, area for him, which he absolutely relished in going in and particularly liked it. I think he knew when there was an interview going on because he would occasionally just spray people with, with <laughs> the water, which was very enjoyable for everyone around. Um, but... Bar that, he he really didn't have any enrichment. You know, he wasn't really able to go off and forage for his own food. You know, as I mentioned, they would give him the sugar cane every day, but that was sort of 200 kilos of sugar cane that was put in the same place, probably at the same time every day. 
Wow. Uh, you know, we're creatures of habit. And, right. you know, there's nothing to say that elephants aren't the same. Mm-hmm. So there just wasn't the the enrichment that we certainly at Four Paws look for, you know, when we're caring for our animals in our species appropriate sanctuaries. Right. And that was something that, you know, when I actually joined the team out there um, at the end of last month, really struck me when I walked up to his enclosure for the first time was just how barren it was and just there seemed to be nothing for him to do. And, you know, unfortunately, we've heard accounts that he would actually hit his head against the concrete wall of his enclosure. Again, another sad sign of the the distress that he was experiencing because he had no friends, you know, nothing to do. And he was he was bored, ultimately, right. which we've all been in a lockdown. We know what it's like when you can't go anywhere and there's nothing to do. Um, so he had that for 35 years. Wow. And eight of those, he was completely on his own. Again, unfortunately, he's had in some ways a short life you know he's only 36 at the moment and they can live up to 80 in captivity but he has had a very hard 36 years so far and we really do hope that the future years that he has with his not one not two but three lady friends uh, will hopefully be very very exciting for him and will just be a lot more appropriate for an elephant sure are the conditions the same for the other animals that remain at the zoo at this time so well, at the moment there are two bears that are left, one deer and one monkey. The bears are equally showing signs of psychological distress, but the end is in sight. We are hopefully rescuing those bears in a matter of days. So that's wonderful. Oh, that's so wonderful yes. to hear. Yay. And they'll be going to our sanctuary that we run in partnership with Princess Alia in Jordan. It's the Al Mawa um, Sanctuary for Nature and Wildlife. Oh, so again, cool. it's a species appropriate life for them. There will be more than the concrete floors that they've known for for the last you know number of years so wow. you know i'm looking forward to seeing how their story evolves really because obviously the world has been captured by kavan sure. but he is just one elephant that were, was at this zoo you know we've rescued countless wolves um and monkeys and, and, and other animals that were there as well. I think it was 11 monkeys, three wolves, 17 rabbits. Um, they have all been relocated to um, a national park in Pakistan. And like I say, we've just got this monkey, deer, and the, the two Himalayan brown bears left. Incredible. Thank you for that. Um, so I want to ask, how is Kavan doing in his new home at the sanctuary in Cambodia? I've seen a few videos of him reaching out and touching trunks with another elephant. Uh, what's the latest report so yes that picture i don't know about you but it certainly had me breaking into tears all over again yes it did Uh, (laughs) um it was just one of those i was like oh gosh it's it's what we were all wanting really um but yeah he's doing well he's enjoying his sand baths um he's got a big tire in uh his quarantine enclosure at the moment that he's having fun moving i think he's trying to break you know learning his own strength Um, But he's adjusting really, really well. It's been a really big upheaval for him. Uh, So I think he's been in Cambodia for just over a week now. Um, So acclimatizing to warmer weather uh, and, yeah, whole new surroundings. And, yeah, getting to know his neighbors from afar because he will be in that sort of quarantine enclosure for a little while. And then it will be a gradual release for him. He'll go into a slightly larger enclosure, one probably about four acres, um, where he'll have his own pool. um, And then eventually the long-term plan will be that him and his um, friends, the three other elephants, they will have an enclosure of around sort of 300 acres or so um, that they'll be able to to explore and be elephants again really away from people and away from that human interaction that 
you know, particularly for elephants like Kavan has been their day to day. Well, Hannah, obviously you and Four Paws are doing amazing work in the world to help animals. Are there any other campaigns or victories you've had recently that you'd like to share with us? Another nice piece of news, though, as this is a more positive outlook, uh, we have done work. Um, we've been working quite tirelessly since sort of October 2018 to end the dog and cat meat trade in Southeast Asia. Oh, wonderful. And over the weekend, we passed uh, the one million signature mark um, for our petition, which we're quite amazed at, really, and all that's been happening of the, you know, the, particularly 2020, to have continued to accrue such support for, for ending this cruel, cruel trade is something that we're we're incredibly pleased about. And, you know, I'd urge people again to, to kind of have a look on our website to find out any extra ways that they can support, learn more about this trade and learn how actually we can use our voices to help those millions of uh, cats and dogs out there that are that are being affected by it. And don't let anyone tell you that, you know, getting involved doesn't help because there has been such progress in the dog and cat meat trade in the past few yeah. years, uh, quite a bit. And um, it's wonderful to hear that, you know, it continues to move on. And is that petition still active? It is. Yeah, no, it is still active at the moment. Um, and we're using that overwhelming support now to go to the government in Cambodia, Indonesia and Vietnam and presenting them with the, the overwhelming global support for an end to this. As you say, we are already seeing you know strides and improvement in countries cambodia for example some of the provinces have actually banned the consumption of dog meat right. but there is still more work to go and we actually in about 10 days or so are hopefully closing a cat meat slaughterhouse in vietnam um which will be a big um stride for us and a big success because we've previously closed two dog meat slaughterhouses but this will be our first feline one that we're closing so you know it, it's all positive signs that people are accepting that they need to find an alternative livelihood and they need to move away from this cruel trade. So fingers crossed things are moving in the right direction and, and maybe 2021 will be the year that, that we get more concrete uh, ends to this trade. That was Hannah Baker with Four Paws International in London. By the way, Four Paws is an incredible organization. They are hard at work all the time helping animals all over the world. In fact, just recently, they were also instrumental in achieving the release of Jambolina the Bear. And we have a link up to that story as well on our Facebook page and our KBU website page that you can read about. And you can also find out more about the work that Four Paws International is doing on their website at 4-paws.org. O-R-G. All right. You're listening to Voices for the Animals on 90.7 KBOFM. I'm Michelle Coppola, and since it's Christmas Day, this show is dedicated to bringing you good news from the animal welfare world that happened in the past year. You can kind of think of it as our gift to you. Well, there is no doubt about it. The last four years have not been good ones for the environment or for animals in the United States. But with the election of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and the installation of a new administration, there is a lot to be hopeful about, especially on the environmental and animal welfare front. We're lucky to have with us today Nancy Blaney, Director of Government Affairs at the Nonprofit Animal Welfare Institute. Hey, Nancy, thank you so much for being with us this morning. This is where I want to start. I think it would be really easy, even for somebody who is aware of animal welfare issues, to be completely unaware of all of the damage that has been done during the last four years, not only to the environment, but to animals. I think the MO of this administration in particular has been one of distraction where they have so much going on that you're so distracted that you can't pay attention while they quietly 
and completely unravel regulations and safeguards and protections for the environment and animals. Can you tell us a little bit of what has been done, the damage that has been done in the last four years during the Trump administration? Well, I'll tell you, Michelle, the scope has been just unprecedented so that there has been so there's been so much damage done to the enforcement of laws that exist to the weakening of the law, not just reducing enforcement, but also actually actively weakening them, particularly with regard to the Endangered Species Act. So we have on the one hand, you know, kind of the the, the really big things that, that got the most um, damage done is the Animal Welfare Act, of course, where they started off by taking records down uh, from the website. And the USDA took, website, yeah. The USDA website, that's correct. So it took Congress coming in and saying, you've got to put that stuff back uh, for that to happen again. But in the meantime, you know, what's been going on, you know, off on the side, too, is a reduction in the enforcement effort so that even those inspectors who really want to do their job have been actively discouraged from doing that. Uh, They've been encouraged to use these um, devices called teachable moments, and I'm putting air quotes around that for everybody, where instead of having the inspector write up non-compliances, they would just talk to the licensee about the things they were doing that were causing harm to animals. And while supposedly these things were not to include uh, any kind of violations that would actively harm animals, result in their their, uh, injury or death, a lot of things just got swept under the rug. And so that is something that we are hoping will go by the wayside. There was just an active intention not to enforce, not to take enforcement actions, both at the sort of inspector level and at the level of the Office of General Counsel, discouraged from bringing cases. So, you know, we are very hopeful that that is going to change with a a more robust leadership, with leadership that's really interested in doing, uh, doing more good for animals. Then on the wildlife side, I mean, that is really where so much active damage was done with uh, weakening of Endangered Species Act protections. Of course, the gray wolf was delisted. We had active rolling back of really good regulations from the Obama-Biden administration, where they had prohibited the use of lead ammunition on national wildlife refuges, so that was gotten rid of. Uh, They also restored the uh, ability of hunters to use some very unethical and unsportsmanlike uh, hunting methods uh, on uh, uh, National Park Service lands in Alaska. I wanted to um, mention that that's something that got a lot of play that uh, I guess the regulations were rolled back that would allow them to actually shoot what uh, mother bears that were mother hibernating yeah. and their and their and their cubs as and well, cubs. right? And wow. the cubs. That is correct. Uh, shooting wolves as well uh, at a time when they would be nursing, you know, taking care of their young. Shooting caribou from as they were swimming caribou, uh, allowing the use of 
bait for bears, uh, use of dogs to track bears. So just things that are so unethical, even, you know, from uh, many hunters were uh, appalled at this change. So that's, you know, something else uh, that happened. There was a rollback to the National Environmental uh, Policy Act, which requires that large projects, uh, oil pipelines, uh, coal mines, things like that, go undergo an environmental review, uh, which requires the uh, review of, of large scale projects for their environmental impact. And that was weakened in terms of the necessity for some projects being exempted from that review, being exempted from uh, public scrutiny. So all of these insidious efforts to just make it more difficult to protect the environment. So Biden is a long-term lawmaker. We all know him. He's had got a record for 35 plus years. Um, His record, from what I understand, is pretty good when it comes to animal welfare issues uh, beyond the fact that he has a shelter dog in the family. (laughs) (laughs) And he's getting a cat. Yay! So, you know, yay. This is, I think, the first White House cat since socks. So um, we're we're very excited about that. So yes, um, uh, you know, President-elect Biden has a a long and, and very supportive record on animal uh, welfare issues. He's been a longtime supporter of, you know, ending uh, the slaughter of horses for human consumption, ending the sale of random source dogs and cats for use in research laboratories, prohibiting uh, canned hunts, you know, the trophy hunting Mm -hmm. of captive uh, exotic animals, uh, ending the brutal treatment of downed livestock, and strengthening restrictions on animal fighting, to name a few of the things that that we remember. And uh, Vice President-elect Harris as well. In fact, she's a, one of the, the sponsors of a bill right now. So one of the, the, the main sponsors of a bill on ending the horse soaring, race day drugging. of Oh, of race therapy. day drugging. Oh, wow. Yes, OK. Yes. I thought it might be the horse soaring issue. Which horse is, soaring um, is also one of the issues that yeah. she has been on, um, ending the, the trade in shark fins, other efforts to protect habitat uh, and combating wildlife trafficking. So we are very excited that this is a very strong team coming in. And we're going to be all over them like white on paint. Yay. So they do have a pretty heavy lift when they come in. They've got uh, the pandemic to deal with, civil unrest, the mess that the Trump administration is leaving behind. Of course, a lot of that is top priority. But what do you feel should be the first few things on their agenda when it comes to animal welfare and wildlife? Well, and yes, you're absolutely right that they've got a very, very um, heavy load to carry as soon as they get in, unlike any other administration, uh, you know, since the Civil War, really, uh, in terms of of just so many things that have to be dealt with so urgently. But there are some things that can be done, you know, fairly easily. There are some good regulations out there that have been languishing for lack of of being published. So uh, one having to do with horse soaring, there's a horse soaring rule. So that could be published. There is a very simple rule out there waiting to, to be published also with regard to contingency plans. So that like Licensees under the Animal Welfare Act would be required, oh my gosh, here's a thought, to have contingency plans for their animals in case of disasters. Then, there, of course, what's really going to be key to a lot of the problems we've been having with Animal Welfare Act enforcement is leadership. 
And so that's going to be important, whom they nominate to have those those roles. You know, the heads of OG, uh, Office of General Counsel, the head of animal care, and the head of uh, Animal Plant and Health Inspection Service. So they need to come in with, you know, a vision of that enforcement is good. And we that the idea is to, it's the, I always call it the Animal Welfare Act. It is not the Licensee Welfare Act. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, you know, the purpose has to be to protect the animals and not let these violations, these non-compliances persist and persist and persist and persist right. for so long. So uh, in the past few weeks, something's just come over the wire. The U.S. House of Representatives passed the Big Cat Public Safety Act. This is yes. kind of getting a lot. I mean, it just came out of nowhere. It's crazy. But, you know, I think given all the high profile with Joe Exotic and and that sort of thing, that it's really coming at a very good time because I know it's been around since 2012 or something like that. In some shape or form, it's it's kind of like one of those, uh, you know, actresses or actors who they say is an overnight success. It only took them, you know, 20 years. So (laughs) it's uh, a very important bill because there has been in so much attention uh, because of Joe Exotic. And just while the series did not focus as much as we would like to have seen on the poor conditions for the animals. But to my surprise, people seem to, uh, you know, get that message anyway, judging from the contact we got and the support for the bill. I mean, it had a huge number of co you know, 200 plus co-sponsors. I mean, Earl Blumenauer from Oregon is oh, one yes. of the sponsors. Absolutely. So we're very proud of him. He's always and just been very a shout active. out because Congressman Blumenauer is the best. I mean, he, he is, is a, such a champ on these issues. So, you know, Oregon, you are, you are very fortunate, but with regard to big cats, yes, not only Joe exotic, but just the years of documents, the problems with the private ownership of exotic cats. And of course, we all remember Zanesville, Ohio, when that guy let loose uh, his animals and most of them had to be shot. I mean, the poor things, the first responders had no idea this guy was even in their community. So this bill will, going forward, prohibit the private ownership of of exotic cats. Um, It does grandfather in those who have them, but they have to register. And so that the first responders in their community will know they're there. And the big thing is that even for those who who continue to be allowed to have them, such as zoos and sanctuaries, will no longer be allowed to allow public contact. So no more cub petting, no more cub feeding, no more taking the cubs away from their mothers. Thank God. (laughs) So what are the chances? I mean, obviously getting it through the house is a lot easier than getting it through the current Senate that we have. (laughs) Are we hoping that it doesn't come up for a vote until after? uh, Well, it probably won't until after maybe we have a new makeup in the Senate or what are the chances if we don't get that? Well, I would say if it comes up for a vote in the Senate, I think we'll be okay. Now, I know that 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 folks on my team are working very, very, very hard to get this across the finish line before uh, Congress shuts off the lights and goes home. So we are working very, very hard to get this done now. It should be nonpartisan. It really should be a nonpartisan it, thing. It should, right? and it's getting caught up now, of course, in you know st- so much that needs to be done, and it's clamoring for floor time, you know, in 
the Senate particularly that needs to be devoted to COVID packages and, and appropriations bills and things like that. This is nonpartisan. It affects so many communities that it's really not an issue of, you know, you know, East Coast, Left Coast, whatever you want to call right. it. It's really about public safety. If people want to see this big cat public safety act get passed, what they should do is get in touch with their senator, correct? It's Absolutely. at this point it's passed the house, get in touch with your senator. Get in touch with your senator, ask your senator. You know, you can go on our website which has a compassion index so you can find out if your senator is already a co-sponsor. Even beside that, ask your senator to ask the leadership, so Senator McConnell and Senator Schumer to make sure that this gets to the floor. So, AWI involved in every aspect of animal welfare, farm animals, companion animals, wildlife, marine life, lab animals, humane education. I'm so glad you guys are out there doing what you do. <laughs> uh, truly, and, and it's such a wide scope. What I'd like for you to do is maybe talk about some of the most urgent issues your organization is working on right now. Obviously, we hit the Big Cat Public Safety Act and, and a few mm-hmm. other things. Um, how can people get involved and help? What is the best way to do this other than contacting, obviously, their, their representatives and senators? Two really good ways. One, of course, is to be part of our activist network so that they will get um, our alerts. Um, they can always they can always check our website and our you know our social media for updates on things. So we are very active with saying, hey, we need you on this. And I think sometimes there's a tendency because people get bombarded with email. I mean, I know I do. Sure. To think, ah, eh, somebody else will do it, or it's too late, or Uh, you know, they'll be hearing from others. Your voice is what's really needed. Your voice. Don't think that someone else will do it uh, because every, every voice counts. As we learned from the election, you know, that one extra push is what's really needed. So don't rely, don't think that, oh, well, I'm being a bother. You are not being a bother. Your member expects to hear from you. They have staff devoted to these issues. When I was a staffer on the Hill, Social Security was the issue. Member offices, hands down, that's what they got their their correspondence on. Now it's animal issues. Mm. Every office we go into tells us this is what they get the most correspondence on, email, mail, whatever it is. This is what they hear most about. Then the other is sign up for your members' newsletters and, you know, their social media, because you can follow when they're going to have teletown halls or other, certainly now virtual meetings, but when they have meetings in their districts when we, we get out of this. And that's a time when you can have a conversation directly with your member about these issues. So those are two really key ways to get involved. That was Nancy Blaney, Director of Government Affairs at the Animal Welfare Institute. You can find them at awionline.org. And that's going to do it for this special Good News Christmas Day edition of Voices for the Animals. Thanks so much for listening. And you can find links to the podcast of this show at kboo.fm slash Voices for the Animals. Also on our Facebook page, links to the Stories about Kavan the elephant and Jambalina the bears released from captivity are there as well. We also have links to the Animal Welfare Institute and Four Paws, and uh, you'll be able to track the issues and progress of animal welfare issues in the new Biden administration on both those sites. For KBU and Voices for the Animals, I'm Michelle Coppola. Have a wonderful holiday, a happy new year, and remember, be kind to animals, non-human and otherwise.
happy holidays and thanks for taking time out from opening presents to give a listen to Film at 11, which is here on KBU every Friday at 10.30 a.m. Community Radio, KBU, Portland. This week, we take an in-depth look at a popular director, then celebrate a movie that celebrates Los Angeles, and make one concession to the holiday with a special 